Thank you, ladies. He is wonderful. No doubt about it. Let's pray. Lord, help us now as we turn to your word, these verses in Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 30. So powerful. And I pray that you'd help us to understand them and walk out of here with our faith increased and seeing your increased activity in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We read this portion of scripture, and I'm always enjoy reading it. I'm taken aback by the blind man and uh, these blind men the scriptures talk about. Matthew chapters 8 and 9 give a series of miracles that were accomplished by the Lord Jesus. And aren't you glad we have a miracle working God? You might find yourself in a difficult position today, but I'm glad that we serve a God who can make a way when there is no way. He can do what others cannot do. And here these blind men, they were blind. They had no hope of ever not being blind. But they had heard about Jesus, and Jesus came walking through their part of the town. Verse 26 says, And the fame hereof went abroad into all that land, the miracles that Jesus were doing. Uh, If they had had newspapers, it would have been the front page every day on the newspaper. If they had had... Uh, 9 o'clock news or the 6 o'clock news, it would have been the lead story. If, if they had 24-hour cable news every hour, it would have been breaking news. Jesus, fill in the blank. I mean, he was the pinnacle of activity and uh, fame. And the Bible says his fame grew. And, of course, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about his fame because of who he is and what he has done. But these men, they had heard that he had healed the sick, caused the lame to walk, blind to see, even raised the dead. And these men wanted to be healed. And verse 27 says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Notice that they didn't just ask him one time. They kept asking him, and they were following him around. It's like the Bible says, ask, seek, knock. Those words are used in the linear tense, which is ask and ask and ask and ask and ask, and you shall receive. Seek and seek and seek and seek and seek and seek, and you shall find. Knock and knock and knock and knock, and it shall be open unto you. I think sometimes we pray about something once or twice, and we just give up, and maybe even blame God for not answering our prayer when these men desperately wanted to be healed. They were not going to give up. We would call this importunate prayer or prevailing prayer. They were not going to stop until they either got the answer or God told them to pray about something else. And these blind men crying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And another portion of Scripture talks about the crowd was trying to quiet them. I mean, imagine these Blind men following in the crowd, touching and groping and in this throng and screaming and crying and and they would not be stopped. And finally, they got Jesus' attention. Verse 28 says, And when he was come into the house, the blind men came unto him. And Jesus saith unto them, now listen to this question. So finally, Jesus calls them unto him. They come. By the way, God honors sincere consistent prayer. 
The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much in James chapter 5. And so Jesus calls them in. And notice Jesus' question to them. Believe ye that I am able to do this. Do what? Give them their sight. Do you believe that I'm able to give you your sight? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. And then verse 29 says, Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. Verse 30, And their eyes were opened. Here's the thought, and here's the message for today. God can, and God will. God can, and God will. Verse 28, Jesus asked the question, Do you think I can? And I think most Christians here would say, I think God can. I think God can do pretty much anything He wants. But where we get in trouble is we think God can, we just don't think He'll do it for us. You know God could change your situation, but not for me. God could help our family, but not our family. God could take care of this problem, but not for us. God could heal, but not for us. God could, but not for me. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be in. Because verse 29, Jesus told them, according to your faith, be it unto you. Here's what this means. If you think God can, you're right. And if you think God won't, you're right. Think about that. Jesus said, I'm going to work in your life according to your faith. That means I'm going to operate in your situation according to how you believe. The word according to is an interesting word. It literally means that God will change His power and His His work in our lives to match our faith. So we know God can do anything, right? But my faith is down here. So God says, according to your faith... If I believe God will work a little bit, God comes down and He works a little bit. If I believe God will do something, He'll come down and He'll do something. If I believe God can do miracles, He may come down and He just may give you that miracle. I ask you this morning, if you were to measure your personal faith in God, And let's say on a scale of 0 to 10. 0, you don't believe Him at all. 10, man, I believe Him as much as He can be believed. What's your personal confidence in God right now? Like how much do you really think? Not not what He can do. What do you think He's going to do in your situation? You say, well, it's just my life. just the way it's going to be. And God says, okay. Now we're just always broke. God says, okay. Our marriage will never be any better. Okay. Yeah, that's just how kids are. Okay. 
Or what if somebody said, no, I believe God can. And God says, oh, you're right, I can. And not only can I, I want you to notice how quickly the answer was yes in verse 29. There was no negotiation. There was no bargaining. And I give you this thought this morning. God is simply waiting for someone to believe him. He's waiting for someone to believe him. Now let me give you the fine print. This doesn't mean that God's going to do whatever you want him to do. He's not a rabbit's foot. He's not a genie where you rub the bottle and get three wishes. You don't get to ask him for whatever you want. I've asked God many times for a canary yellow Hummer. And... uh, I haven't gotten one. I've asked God many times for a, a candy apple red Ferrari. I th- just think of how much faster I could do the Lord's work. <laughs> think of how quickly I could get from house to house visiting, how fast I could get to the store and back to buy church supplies. I mean, I would use it for the Lord. But no. See, God's not going to give you what you want. He's going to give you what he knows is best for you. And he knows what's best for me, sadly, is a minivan. (laughs) And I I can't explain it, but I have to submit to the Lord. I'm hoping one of these days he'll see fit to give me a truck. Amen. But I'm thankful for the car we got. And so... Whenever you realize and you submit and say, I'm going to find out what God wants to do in my life, and then I'm going to trust Him to do it. I'm going to live like that's what He's going to do. You might just find out that that's what He does. See, these blind men didn't have a sitting faith. They didn't have a whining faith. They they took steps of action as if, Jesus was going to heal them. And that's the mistake we often make. Well, I believe God can, and well, I I believe He probably will, but we don't do anything about it. True faith moves you to action, and you really only truly believe what you obey. Uh, You can show me your faith by your works. I know what you really believe based on what you do, not on what you say. And so when we believe God can, and we live like He will, that's when the power comes. That's when the sight is given. And I want to give you two important thoughts today under this idea, God can and God will. There are only two important questions when it comes to your personal faith in God. The first is, do you believe God can? I think most people in the room would say, yes, I do. But let's investigate that a little bit in the scripture. See, our faith says God is able. When you study the word of God, you find out that God is able. The Bible begins with the God of eternity speaking into existence everything that is. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. 
And with the simple words of his eternal, all-powerful mouth, he created time, space, and matter in an instant. And, and everything came to be. Then he spent six days uh, creating everything as we know them now. That is the power of God. He, he not only can fix your problems as a human, he created humans. He took the dust of the ground, the clay, and, and formed Adam's body. He breathed into him uh, the, the breath of life and made him a living soul. He, he created woman to be a helpmeet for him. God can not only fix your problems, He made you. That's how able He is. See, God is able. <clears throat> Five times the King James Bible uses the phrase, God is Able. I want to show you a few of them right now. Look at Matthew chapter 3. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3. We're going to move quickly. Do you believe God can? <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3. We find the Pharisees and you find a sister passage in Luke chapter 3. But Matthew chapter 3. In verse 8, bring, their, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. So he's talking here to the Pharisees. We find out in verse 7, the Pharisees and Sadducees, these were the religious leaders, but they, they were not uh, teaching the people properly. They got so bogged down in their, in their own religion, their own man-made religion. They got so bogged down in, in their, their own system of thinking that when the Messiah showed up, they didn't even recognize him. The Pharisees would have been the religious zealots of the day that were very dedicated to their own ways of thinking, not necessarily the Scripture. They had, and their problem was they had just added uh, to the Scripture so many commentaries and such. They, they had all of these uh, rules and, and, and all of these things, but they were very dedicated. They were just off track. The Sadducees uh, were basically religious leaders who didn't believe in religion. They didn't believe in heaven, they didn't believe in hell, they didn't believe in spirits. They basically, they would be like the, the, the liberals of the day that say there is no God, there is, there is no spirit, you don't have a soul. They were religious leaders that basically didn't believe anything. And you don't have to look very far in our community or around the world to see there are religious leaders like that today. If anybody should have recognized the Messiah, that Jesus was the Savior that they'd been waiting for for thousands of years, it should have been this group of people. But instead, they saw him as a threat to their own power and influence, and they instantly became his enemies. And they came to this place where John the Baptist was, was uh, baptizing, and John the Baptist had to call out to them. Uh, he, he calls them vipers in verse 7. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Nobody talked to these people this way. They were not only the religious leaders, they were the civil leaders because uh, Israel functioned as a theocracy from God down, except the people that were supposed to be representing God were off track. These, these people... Uh, had in serious civil power. They could jail you, they could beat you, uh, and, and all kinds of things. And if they wanted to kill you, they couldn't kill you themselves, but they could take you to the Roman government and have the Romans kill you. That's why the, they took Jesus to Pilate, because the Jews didn't have 
the authority under the Roman government to actually give a death penalty, but the Romans did. And so these people had serious power. And here's John the Baptist speaking to them in this way. I want you to understand, these people were shocked. Who is this speaking to me this way? The crowd watching, their jaws dropped. And some of them were like, yeah. And others were like, oh man, he's going to be, and he's going to disappear. <laughs> you know, they're going to disappear him. And, uh, but he spoke up with boldness. And he said in verse 8, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. He was saying, you need to repent and you need to live in such a way to show everybody else that you have changed your mind. Those were powerful words. But notice what John the Baptist says to him, verse 9, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. See, that's what they would have said. Oh yeah, our father is Abraham. We have special access to God. We are a special people. You can't talk to us that way. We have a special access to God. But we find here through the inspiration of the Spirit, John the Baptist tells them not to say that. And think not to say to yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. What's he saying? You're not special. You're not so special that God needs you. If you, don't, if you don't recognize the God of heaven, He can do the impossible and He can raise up children to follow Him out of these stones if He so choose. We learn in this verse and, and, and in Luke chapter 3 that God is able to secure the impossible. God can achieve the impossible. God is able to do what you don't think He can do, what the world doesn't think He can do. God is able to secure the impossible. Look at Romans chapter 11. <coughs> can God? Romans chapter 11. <coughs> we see here in verse 23... There's a lot of theology that we won't get into here, but he's talking about the, the relationship between Israel and the church. And Israel were God's chosen people in the Old Testament. They were disobedient, so God grafted in the church. Uh, and God is working through the church in this day and age. The church is the body of Christ. The church, the local church, is the representative of God in this day and age. Uh, and one of these days when God raptures the church out, for the, the last seven years of, of life here on earth and, and that terrible tribulation, when God raptures the church out, He will once again work through Israel. The 144,000 special preachers will be called from the 12 tribes of Israel. The two witnesses will be Israelites. God will once again work through the Jews. And He's talking about, if I want to graft them out and graft in the, the, the church, I can do that. And when I'm done with the church and you're in heaven, I can graft Israel back in. And he's using the illustration of grafting trees. I don't know if you've ever seen a video on this, but it's fascinating. There are certain trees where you can actually take a limb off a living tree, cut it off, and you can kind of shave down the, the edge of it, make a notch in a, a healthy tree, and stick that cut branch in that notch and tape it up nice and tight. And that living tree will actually accept that branch as part of its own. It's called a graft. And it will, uh, after a while, you take off all that tape and such. 
and now that branch that was a part is part of the tree. Maybe you've heard of skin grafts where they will cut, especially in terrible burns, they will cut healthy tissue off of some part of your body like a leg and they'll graft in that skin, making it all back one piece. And this idea that God can... uh, graft people in he can graft people out and the idea here is that God is able to save souls and salvage lives see God is able God can do what he wants if he wants to work through Israel he'll work through Israel if he wants to put Israel on the side and work through the local church he'll work through the local church if when the church is gone he wants to work through Israel again that's exactly what he can do you know God loves saving people God can save anybody who will believe in Him. I'm thankful that we serve a God that He can save anybody. I'm talking about He'll save the drunkards on the street. He'll save the drug addict. He'll save the streetwalker. He'll save the wayward teenager. He'll save that person that's lost their way. He'll save that, that adulteress and, and adulterer. He'll, he'll save uh, that, that one who is, is involved in the most heinous of sins. God can save anybody. And He loves to save people. And He can do a miracle. See, Jesus reached down into a little place called Green County, Indiana, into a little town called Jasonville, a town of a thousand people, six miles outside of town. And he knew there was a young boy called Paul Chapman, and God saved me. And I'm thankful he did. And I don't know where you were or in what position you found yourself, but God can save you wherever you are. If you've ever been saved, it's because the God of heaven performed a miracle and saved you. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you grew up in an atheist home or a home that did not honor God. Maybe you are wealthy or maybe you were broke. But God loves to save people and He is able. He can save bar owners. He can save... Uh, 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 drug pushers. He can even save a politician. God loves to save people. He's able. God's able to secure the impossible. He's able to save souls and salvage lives. Look at Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. God is able... To sustain the struggling. Look at verse 4. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. The idea of judging is one of the most misunderstood parts in the Bible. One of the most misunderstood verses is judge not lest you be judged. Some people think that means you're not supposed to point out when people are doing foolish things. Now you point out that someone's doing something sinful and they say don't judge me. That's not what that verse means. Matter of fact the Bible says judge righteous judgment. We are supposed to have discernment where we can look at the world and say God approves of that. God doesn't approve of that. That's right. That's a sin. We're supposed to be living that way. We have to make those judgments. What the Bible's talking about when it says don't judge is we not only point out what's wrong, but now we start to assign motivations. Uh, Here's why you did that. And then we begin to assign what punishment they should have. I'll tell you what should happen to you. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not the judge. 
First of all, you don't know their heart. You don't know why they did that. And you also don't have the right to try to pronounce judgment. That's God's business. Amen? And so here he's talking about, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? You know, the, the truth is that if that person's a Christian, they don't answer to you. And you don't answer to them. We all answer to God. goes on to say, every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He's the judge. You know, sometimes we see someone struggling. And we might assume that they're backslidden. We might assume that they're, they don't love God. We might assume some terrible thing about them. But the Bible says, you know, sometimes people are struggling. And sometimes struggling people make bad decisions. But God says, I'm able to hold them up. I'm able to help them. That's why it's so important that you never give up on people. Just don't ever give up on people. I don't have a blacklist. I don't have people that I give up on. Because God is able to. To, to sustain the struggling. Even when it looks like all hope is lost, God is able to bring them up out of that and return them back to usefulness and fellowship with Himself. And these can be trophies of grace. Have you ever been struggling? Have you ever made bad decisions when you were struggling? Was it helpful when the person that should have been there to give you a hand and help you kicked you while you were down? <laughs> no. No. God is able to sustain the struggling. You may be here today and you're struggling. If you turn to God, He is able to put you back up on your feet and get you going the right direction. That's good news, isn't it? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're talking about God is able. God can. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 9. We find this verse in the context of giving, but the applications are many. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Look at verse six. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. That makes sense. You plant a little bit of corn, you're gonna reap a little bit of corn. You plant a lot of corn, you're gonna reap a lot of corn. He goes on to say, verse seven, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly over necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. This is speaking about grace giving. Uh, and I personally don't believe that God will ever lead someone to give less than 10%. You say, how do you know that? Because it's called the tithe. Grace giving never goes below the law. It empowers us to do more. And so here... Uh, we should be seeking God, and God should tell us how much to give. Ten percent's the floor, and then God tells us how much to give. 
And then look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. The context here is he was using an illustration of the Macedonians who were incredibly poor but had given beyond their ability and he was encouraging these people to give and you see sometimes it's like well I can't give you don't understand how weak I am you don't understand how needy I am you don't understand my situation but whenever we obey the Lord God is able to make it all work out you know my children are old enough now to to know some of the finances and there are times when we have to have conversations hey things are tight Things are tight. Hey, we need to pray down. We don't know how this is going to happen, or we don't know how that's going to happen. And sometimes the kids might be like, oh, no, what are we going to? No, no, God will work it all out. See, God's able. We just have to acknowledge it, obey everything we know, and he's able to give us all sufficiency in all things. God has the grace to strengthen and sustain the weak and needy. You know how you get out of trouble? You give your way out of trouble. You say that doesn't make sense. It doesn't unless you have grace. If you have grace, God can step in and He can do things that you can't imagine. Talking to a man some months ago and he had a financial need and he was going to take a job that would keep him from doing what God had wanted him to do for some time. And I said, why don't we pray about it? And, you know, God's able. Let's pray about it. You do what you're supposed to do. Seek the Lord. Make wise decisions. And God came through and gave him money. And we had a conversation after. I said, how many weeks working 40 hours a week would it have taken you to earn what God gave you? And he's like, oh, like a month. And see, because you did the right thing, God gave you 160 hours worth of work. And he gave it, he, he took care of that need. I'm not one of these preachers that say, you give God a dollar, he'll give you 10. This isn't a health and wealth church. But I will tell you this, if you look at your finances minus the grace of God, you're going to be in trouble. As the world gets more crazy and inflation goes up and the government wants more of your money, all those IRS agents, uh, 80,000 new agents, they're not going to be going after the rich folks. They can afford the lawyers. (laughs) We can. And what happens is whenever you're weak and needy, you have to understand that God has the grace to sustain you. But what's the purpose? It's not so I can have a a, a summer house in Cabo. It's not so I can go skiing in Aspen. The Bible says here that you may abound unto every good work. God will make sure if you're focused on Him and you're obeying Him, He will make sure that He gives you the grace and sustains you so you can keep serving Him. Now, if He gives you a house in Cabo, invite me because I'd like to go. If he lets you go skiing, I got a few days free. 
But sometimes we'll rob God to try to take care of all these other things. And we miss out on the grace. Do you believe God's able? Sure you do. Now here's the last question. And we won't spend but a few minutes on this. Most of us know God can. But will God do it for you? Will God do it for you? Believing God can is not the same as believing God will. How can you have confidence that God will? Well, first you need to find out if this is God's will for you. Is it what God wants? If I have to be honest, I probably, I know God doesn't want me to have a Ferrari. I'd get a lot of tickets. I know God doesn't want me to do certain things. If I spend my time trying to twist God's arm to give me things against his will, do you think that's a winning proposition? No. The key to prayer is find out what God wants to give you and pray for that. And you'll find out he's very quick. He's very generous. And you can go to God in prayer believing that this is what he wants. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. That means that God does not prioritize one person over another. This, there was nothing special about this man in Matthew chapter 9 that God had to bless him. And if God blessed him, God wants to bless you. We need to believe God can and we need to believe God will. Let me show you a final scripture. Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> we saw how quick the Lord was to heal the blind man. Look at Luke chapter 5. And verse 12, we see here Jesus' interaction with a leper. Leprosy in that day was like the, the cancer of today. It was an awful scourge. It was often a death sentence. It could kill you fast. It could kill you slow. Leprosy, basically the skin would rot and die. The flesh would rot and die uh, until it just fell off. Fingers would fall off. Uh, hands, arms. People's noses would fall off, their lips, their ears. Their skin would basically just rot on the body. And it's a terrible visual of the rot of sin on the inside. When a leper was diagnosed, they, they didn't know what to do other than separate them from the group. So if you, got a, if you got leprosy, you basically could not interact with people. You couldn't go to town on Main Street. You couldn't go to Walmart. There was a subculture of lepers that would live outside the camp in substandard living conditions. They, they never knew what it was like to shake the hand of someone healthy. They never got a hug. I remember hearing a story of a missionary. I knew him well. A missionary was in Asia, and in some parts of the world, leprosy is still a, a problem. And he was in Asia, and they took him to a leper colony, and they told him all these things, don't... Don't touch them, wash your hands, all of, all of these things. And 
he got there and he was so moved talking to these lepers from a distance that he felt moved to give one of them a hug. And he stepped in and the missionary's like, no! And one of his missionary friends is like, no, stop! And he stepped in and gave this leper a hug and the leper wept because it had been many years since someone who was not a leper had given him a hug or touched him. The lepers lined up and Brother Doug gave them hug after hug after hug. The village was weeping. Many people got saved because one man was willing to give a hug. When it was done, the missionary who that missionary was visiting was beside himself. He literally, they bathed him in bleach and said, we're just going to have to see if God protects you. And God did. But I, we don't have a concept of what it means to be a leper. We just read it and it's like, oh, that's, that's bad. No, no, this was, this person was suffering in ways that you and I can't imagine. But notice what it says here in verse 12. And it came to pass when he, Jesus, was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, and here's, here's the question, here's the prayer we all pray, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. See, the leper fell on his face and said, I know you can. And Jesus looked at him and said, I not only can, I will. And look at the next verse. Verse 13, and he, Jesus, put forth his hand and touched him. Remember I talked about the touch. This is the touch of the master. This person probably hadn't been touched by anybody in a long time unless they had leprosy. Jesus reached forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. See, God can and God will. Sometimes God can and he won't. We see that with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Paul was used to getting his prayers answered. He besought the Lord three times. That doesn't mean he prayed about it three times. I mean, I think that that, that means that he took prayer, fasting, everything stopped. He was going to get this thing cared for. Paul was healing other people, but he couldn't, God wouldn't give him healing. So three times Paul said, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I want this thing gone. And God told him, don't ask me about that again. I've given you that thorn in the flesh for a reason. And sometimes God wants people to be sick. Are you okay with that? That's hard to take. Some, some, some Christians believe, oh, God never wants you to be sick. Show me that in the Bible. He did heal a lot of people, but he also passed up a lot of people. Sometimes God's got a greater purpose and if you go to God saying, God, I know you can and I believe you will, and you pray about it and God tells you in your spirit, I'm not going to do that for you because I've got a purpose for it. In that situation, we learn to live with it and seek God's grace. And then we still believe God can and will in other areas of our lives. We have that situation with my wife. We get a lot of prayers answered. 
but not that one. So what do you do? You get angry? No. We just trust the Lord. And he gives grace. But we still pray about it every day. You know, hey, Lord, if, if you're ready to take care of that, that's what we pray for. But if not, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Sometimes we pray for people to live when they're dying, and God says, no, it's time for them to go home. Can't be mad at that. What I'm talking about today is how many times we pray not believing or we don't even pray because we know he can, but he's not going to do it for me. And I want you to remember how quickly in the Bible Jesus said, I will. Lord, if you, can, if, if you will, you can. And he says, I will. I believe there's situations in each one of our lives today that if we went to God and says you can and you will, God would look at us and say, you're right. I absolutely will. And sometimes he does it in such a way that it is magnificent. It's life-changing. Everybody knows it. It's fantastic. And sometimes it's the little things that he does quietly, but you know. You know this was a big deal. God can and God will. Amen. Let's bow. Father, thank you for the proof from the scripture about your character and who you are. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Lord, the greatest example of you can and you will is when it comes to salvation. You not only can save us, but you will save anybody that asks. And I pray that if there's anyone here today that's not sure they're going to heaven, today would be the day. Lord, may each one of us walk out of here with a a greater grasp, a, a stronger faith, a realization that not only you can, but you will. And if you won't, it's because it's for the best. Lord, help us to believe and to give you opportunities to show your glory. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. At the end of each one of our services, we take a few moments and process what we've heard. What does God want you to take from the situation today? Do you believe God can? Oh, He certainly can. Do you believe He'll do it for you? That's the question. And the answer is, if it's within His will, He will do it and give Himself the glory.